1: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks.
2: In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the F1 world, including race week in Monaco, Ricardo under pressure, Cost Cap Effect, Alonso's future plans, and the Spanish Grand Prix fallout. Welcome to News from the Nerds podcast, the midweek news show by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the F1 world. This show is brought to you by the news team at the Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest F1 news by visiting formulanerds.com. My name is Ollie, and today I am joined by the beautiful Abbey. How are you?
1: Well, thank you for that introduction, Ollie. I'm good. It's strange having the two of you here and not the usual panel, but it will be a good show.
2: And the other member of our team today is Cal.
0: Am I I beautiful, Tony?
2: Yes. Yes, you are. Thank you. Um, And of course, behind the scenes, we have super producer Rich. But let's get straight into the latest news. So, of course, it is race week in Monaco. Do we think Ferrari are going to address the issues that they had last week? Um, There's certainly a lot of pressure on Leclerc and also Sainz to get their their stuff together. Um, Is Lando Norris going to even make the race as we know he's unwell? As always, it's Monaco. The cars are too big. Do you guys think we're in for a good race? And Mercedes are back to their old habits saying they don't think they'll be as strong. So, Abby, what do you think we've got to look forward to uh, for this race week ahead?
1: Well, I like Monaco as a track, but as we all know, it's difficult to overtake there. And with, obviously, the new cars and the 18-inch wheels as well, that's going to make visibility a lot harder and more difficult for the drivers to see. So I think it could potentially be quite a boring race, and we just see cars following each other. With Ferrari, obviously Leclerc's bringing his third power unit this season already, so that will give him an extra boost. But... It is his home race. So like you said, there is a lot of pressure on him to perform and science as well, because his performance compared to Leclerc hasn't been that great this season. It will definitely be interesting, especially like you said with Mercedes. Obviously, Spain was a great weekend for them, but they don't think Monaco's suited to their new upgrades and that. So it will be interesting to see how they perform and whether they take a step backwards from Barcelona or not.
2: Now, Carl, um, Leclerc has a bit of a, a bad history in Monaco. It was only a few weeks ago that he managed to put Nicky Lauda's car into the wall, which, again, not something that you want to do. Do you think Ferrari have got this under control? And what do you think of the recent feedback from the team about them understanding exactly what's happened and it's not going to happen again?
0: I, I, yeah, they've got it under control, 100%. As long as Leclerc can keep it out of the walls, I think they're going to be far too quick for any other teams to compete uh, around Monaco as long as they keep keeping the noses clean it's a done deal for me
2: and let's talk a bit about Lando Norris so he was unwell last weekend is he confirmed for this weekend Abby?
1: He has not been confirmed yet. He had tonsillitis in Barcelona and we could clearly see that he was struggling. I mean, he wasn't even on the radio after the race, but he still managed to get P8. Hopefully, he'll feel better and will be okay to race in Monaco. If not, McLaren do have their reserve drivers who can step in for him, if need be.
2: And what are we taking on Mercedes saying they're not going to be as strong in Monaco? Is this because it's not necessarily always been a favourite for Mercedes? Or do you think they know something we don't know? Cal?
0: Uh, I think while they're still learning the balance of their car, because let's face it, they've created a car, didn't really know what to do with it for most of the season so far. I think Monaco is a very difficult track to turn up at when you're not 100% sure on how to set up your car. I think that's why they're sort of preempting that already. They're not expecting much. They may, they may get it right, you, you never know.
1: So heading into Monaco, there is a lot of pressure and a lot of focus on Daniel Ricciardo, especially. Because this season, he hasn't had a particularly great start to 2022. His highest finish was at his home Grand Prix, but that was only P6. Whereas Lando, obviously, he's been doing very well this season and he got a podium in Imola. So there is a lot of pressure on him. And Zach Brown, he spoke on Any Driven Monday on Sky Sports about... Um, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo as well and he said that Lando definitely has the edge and he thinks that he is one of the best drivers on the grid at the moment but for Daniel obviously he's not performing quite where the team would like him to be so they would like to see him improve and see a much more much stronger performance so they can see an inter-team battle. Now do you guys think that we can see Ricciardo find his feet and actually get to grips with the car this season?
2: I think if there's anywhere you're going to see a strong Ricardo, it's probably Monaco. He's had great success there. We always remember the uh, diving, and I'm doing the gesture into the swimming pool. Um, however, I think it's it's almost been clear from the last season and into this one that there is a clear number one and two driver in that team.
0: Cal, would you would you agree with me on that? Yeah, uh, unfortunately for Daniel, I think it's a mix of Lando being brilliant. And Daniel not quite getting scripts with the car yet. It's not that like Daniel isn't any good; just for some reason, we've seen it at Renault when he moved there as well. It just takes him a while to sort of get used to a new car, I suppose. Um, he started getting there last season, but then the new regs have come in, so I guess he's just sort of finding his feet again. I think he'll he'll get there, and um, the the sort of bigger question will be who will be that number one driver once Daniel has found his feet because obviously we, we usually expect the more experienced driver to take upon that role but Lando is Mr McLaren at the moment
2: We're going to take a short pause for our sponsors but we'll be back in just a moment Are you ready to launch your new career in coding? Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you At Treehouse, we've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your career goals. When you're done with a course, you haven't just watched a video. You learned, practiced, and absorbed a concept. Choose to build a portfolio, create a network, and land your dream job with our bootcamp-style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Whatever your goals, we'll get you there. Get 50% off your first month as a podcast listener through our special discount link treehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses that's treehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses you can also find this link in our show notes
0: the cost cap the goalposts posts have been moved so firstly introduced in 2021 the cost cap came in at 175 million dollars it's now been reduced to around 145 million dollars at the beginning of 2022 and then reduced further to 141.2 million dollars due to the removal of the russian grand prix christian horner has been saying he believes that seven of the teams would probably need to miss the last four races to come within the cap this year It's not just about the big teams, it's teams in the middle of the field who are really going to struggle with the inflationary issues. What are your thoughts on this and do the FIA need to do anything about this?
2: I think it's so unclear what is under cost cap, what isn't, that it's very difficult for people outside of the sport to really understand this. Um, So where some personnel are under this cost cap, but yet driver salaries aren't. Things like this really, I find it confusing to predict how this cost cap's going to go, but I think the cost cap, in essence, is a brilliant idea. In reality, the world changes. We're we're, we're missing a race, so in theory now they shouldn't um, have cost cap challenges towards the end of the year, because they've got a whole race worth of budget back. But... Again, I think it needs to be more clear to the fans and all of the people that this affects. Quite what is included with in this budget budget cap, um, and again, all the cars that are crashing. You know, you'd expect Latifi to have written off that entire budget by now. So, really, where does this where does this all come from?
1: I completely agree with you there, Ollie. That it does need to be clearer because I have no idea what is included in the cost cap. But it's interesting that Horner said that he thinks like seven teams will have to miss some of the final races because there are quite a few teams that actually disagree with the request to increase the cost cap and Alpine are one of them and I remember seeing Otmar Zafnauer say that it's quite interesting that they've asked for this request once the car performance is known and he said that Alpine have actually planned for for the budget cap and all their development issues and that maybe Red Bull should have planned better to know what would have to be included and what they'd need to upgrade but it is very confusing and it should be clearer because I it puzzles my brain a lot.
2: Yeah one thing for example would be uh, wind tunnels we know that Um, energy is quite expensive, and to run a wind tunnel requires a lot of energy. So do the teams that are renting the wind tunnels from other teams, do they pay for the energy that's being used? I mean, how does this all work in terms of cost cap, and how on earth are they policing it? So I think it's still a bit of a grey area for our sport. I think it's probably... Uh, still being fine-tuned and worked through. So I I, I can't see it affecting the sport towards the end of the year. I think that adjustments will be made
0: where required in order to keep all the teams on the grid. I think maybe a similar attitude to how football is handled with this could, could perhaps help, and it's what's called the financial fair play rules. So if your company or your team turns over a certain amount of profit, you can spend a percentage of that. You basically spending what you're earning. It maybe doesn't bring the field closer together like we wanted this to do, but at least then we should have teams within their own limits. So, it, it, yeah, they're really going to have to look at this because we can't have teams not able to compete. That's that's just defeating the whole point of the the idea.
1: Well, another piece of news this week is about Fernando Alonso and his comments regarding his future in Formula One and what he what he'd like to do basically so obviously he's one of the oldest drivers on the grid but he has said that he's fast and he has the dedication and the competitiveness in him to still compete and he would like to compete at one of the top teams in formula one like ferrari and red bull because he wants to be fighting for those championships now obviously ferrari they have science and they have leclerc and their contracts still have a few years on them But for Red Bull, Perez, his contract ends this year. But Horner said that he doesn't want Alonso at Red Bull because he doesn't fit into Red Bull's plans. But I think Alonso will still fight for a seat at a top-tier team. What do you guys think? Do you think we'll see him in a different team?
2: No. I think, number one, Alonso's already has a chance with Ferrari, so you can rule that one out. And then Red Bull is just, like, like Horner said, it's just absolutely not Alonso. Um, In terms of Alonso moving to another top-tier team, that would be McLaren. Well, he's definitely not going there because they've got a GP2 engine. So um, it's just not going to happen. I think Alonso's lucky to be in the sport right now, and I mean that in the sense that he's an older fella and um, there's a lot of upcoming talent. I think if he wants to show what he can still do, he's in the right place to do it.
0: You could argue Alpine's a top team. I think you could argue that Alpine will be a top team. I think they're current progression is is going quietly unnoticed i think they're doing really well at the moment and he needs to be grateful for his seat because like Ollie touched on the talent that is is going to miss out on F1 because not all of them can get a seat it is outrageous that number so yeah he needs to be a little bit more grateful that he's in the sport in the first place and i think he needs to actually just look a little bit closer to home because that team is making strides they were really impressive in spain abby do you think um alonso can can how much longer do you think he can keep his
2: career going i mean I, I will say that i think he's driving probably the best he ever has at the moment yes he's had some unfortunate results by no fault of his own but again he's with alpine it's where he won his two world championships with renault essentially the same team so i feel like he's in absolutely the right place
1: yeah, I completely agree. I think he wants to stay in the sport for as long as he can. And I think we will see him in F1 for the, a few more years. But there is that talent with Oscar Piastri and then Callum Aylot as well, who went to IndyCar. And also there's loads of rookies, well, loads of drivers in Formula 2 who are exceptional talents, who do deserve an F1 seat in the future. So I think because he is getting older, his career will be coming to an end soon but he
0: will try and fight for as long as he can. The sold-out Spanish GP caused displeasure amongst the spectators. And here's why. Over 120,000 spectators were there to watch the race on Sunday. The weekend saw over 300,000 people there overall. However, this wasn't a good thing, by the sounds of it, because the public transport system was very overwhelmed. There was a heat wave going on. There was kilometres and kilometres of queues to try and get in and out of the circuit if you weren't using public transport. Apparently, the catering facilities, the merchandise, all of that sort of thing—you know—once you're there and you're settled, all of that wasn't great either. Apparently, this is a big issue because Spain is a very popular Grand Prix to go and spectate. That's—you know—those numbers are almost as big as Silverstone numbers they really need to sort this out, don't they? And do you think F1 or the FIA will get involved here and actually say, hang on a minute, you're not meeting your end of the contract here?
2: I think F1 will, certainly. I mean, it, it's, it, they're in contract to provide the, the facilities for, for, for the race. I've read online about people pushing, shoving, jumping queues, um, no crowd control during the pit walk, people walking up and down the wrong way. Um, on Friday... People waiting over half an hour to queue for a drink and couldn't get any food at all. Uh, Taxis not being available at the official taxi point. People waiting over an hour. It just sounded like an absolute nightmare. I think the F1 have to get involved. I I think they'll be involved right now.
1: I think they've already gotten involved. I think they've written a letter to the circuit, to the team boss, and said that this is completely unacceptable and it has to be fixed for next season and it is because i mean spain is a country that has better weather than england anyway but for that temperature and to have people fainting and not be able to get home or get drinks or anything that's absurd like that's ridiculous i would never think that that would have happened at a grand prix especially one that is so popular
2: I mean, we had one of our team there, Lena was at this race, and she said very much similar. It was an absolute nightmare. What's changed this year from last year or the previous years? We've never heard about this happening before in Spain. Do you think they've uh, been a bit tight
0: on the old spendings? I don't think it's that. I just don't think they anticipated the sheer amount of people that have turned up. This, is, this Bear in mind, this was a complete sellout across the weekend. I don't think Spain, as popular as it is, is used to completely selling out. I think there's always room for more, whereas this time it was... They literally couldn't fit any more people in if they wanted to. Um, They're going to have to sort it out. There's no ifs and or buts about that. It's going to have to be sorted. If this happens again next season, or we see it again at another Grand Prix this season, Spain is going to be the comparison. Spain now have made a, a rod for their own backs where it's going to keep on coming up in conversation. If someone else does it this season, they'll go, oh, they've done a Spain. You know, it, it's it's not a good look for the Spanish Grand Prix. And I should imagine a lot of people who went this year aren't going to go back next year. And that is a massive shame.
1: Sp- the Spanish Grand Prix is one that I actually would have liked to go to. But hearing all these stories, like you said, from our writer and everyone on Twitter and Instagram and whatever, it does put you off going to see that Grand Prix and makes you want to watch it from home instead
2: so those are our top 5 stories for today uh, thank you to our panel keep up to date with the latest F1 news by visiting FormulaNerds.com and stay tuned to the Cut to the Race podcast this Sunday where we're going to be reviewing the Monaco Grand Prix it's going to be a great review show <laughs> might not be a great race we will have to see uh, thank you very much to Abby and Cal for joining me
0: Podcast Network.